What's up, y'all? Respect the Chat Podcast, episode 108. Ooh. Your boy Mike is here. Rich is here. Ryan's here. What's up, y'all? What's going on? Yo, we in the building. Right. Rich was just saying before we got started, <laughs> now we're on YouTube. Uh-huh. And now the, now the fans can see him fall asleep. When me and Frankie used to record with him, the old, you know, in the garage, uh-huh. he would, like, just, just fall out on us, man. You know, like... <laughs> Like just stop talking after all because we recorded so we used to record so late. Mm-hmm. Well, the good thing, the way we set it up here, the way I got a little set up, is that you guys will go back and forth your screens depending who's talking and who whoever talked last. My screen, the only way I could get it to be set up right is my camera's got to stay the whole way, so I can't I can't be caught lacking at any at any time. <laughs> but if whoever spoke last for you guys, the other one is safe for for the next couple seconds. Then. Perfect. Another one comes in. Yeah, see, it camera just switched to Rich. Whoever was watching on YouTube, <laughs> now you see back and forth these guys. So, so as long just, as I don't snore, I'm good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right. First of all, first of all, this guy is in the pitch black over there. He's like in, 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 he's in in a cave, man. They can't you see can't, my eyes now. Oh my <laughs> gosh, man! Oh my gosh! Great, great weekend coming up here. Great sports weekend too. Oh, yeah. We got we got the UFC fights. We got Michael Chandler, Dan Hooker. I think it's UFC 257. I believe so. I believe yeah. so. Hopefully, we'll right. go with that. Hooker Chandler, the co-main event, the main event, Conor McGregor, the champ. Champ is back. He, he opened up 2020 with a fight. The knockout of Donald Cerrone, I think it was 90 seconds, something like that. Yeah. Um, crazy, crazy. And now he's going to open up the first pay-per-view of 2021. So that fight's coming up. We have big football games to discuss. And then I want to talk a little basketball and see what y'all think about a couple questions I got. But let's start with the fights, man. UFC 257, humongous card. Chandler Hooker, Poirier McGregor. Let's talk Chandler Hooker first in the co-main event. Michael Chandler's first fight in, in the UFC coming over from Bellator. He was a 155 champ, I think, multiple times. In Bellator, crazy fights with Eddie Alvarez and Benson Henderson and Patricio Pitbull, um, amongst other guys as well. But those are the big fights he had over there. But he's making a transition a little bit later in his career, but not too late. He's in a great spot in his career. I would say close to his prime, if not a little bit out of it, coming into the UFC, first fight in the UFC, Dan the Hangman Hooker. Oh, yeah. oh boy. Right, who you got in this one? Uh, so that's a tough one. Uh, I like, I really am interested to see Michael Chandler fight in the UFC. Uh, I really want to see how his skills translate. I'm sure, you know, he's going to fit right in amongst the top dogs. But um, I really like Dan Hooker as a fighter. I'm, I really liked his fight against Poirier. Poirier beat him up a little bit, but I think that he needed something like that. He was on a little bit too much of a hot streak. And I don't think he was ready for the top competition the way that, you know, Dustin Poirier was. So I'm glad that Poirier, you know, humbled him a little bit in that sense because I do like Dan Hooker. But um, this will be an interesting fight. I'm going to just have to go Dan Hooker based off of, you know, bias. But I am interested to see Michael Chandler in the UFC uh, facing guys of, you know, this caliber. Not to say that he didn't fight any talent there because there's some real fighters over in Bellator as well. But... I'm excited to see his debut. Wow. Okay. Ryan goes Dan Hooker. That's that. That I like that. Hooker beats Felder, beat Iaquinta, beat James Vick, and then he lost uh, lost to Edson Barbosa. Uh, 
most recent fight was Dustin Poirier. It was a war, um, crazy fight. Uh, Poirier came out of the winner of that one. So what do you think? Rich, you going Hooker too? Are you impressed enough with Hooker's resume to say, yeah, Chandler, mm, you're stepping up into the UFC now, man. I'm putting you out. My heart wants to go Chandler. I'm a huge mm. Michael Chandler fan. Uh, he's the only reason I would ever turn on Bellator. It was when he was mm-hmm. fighting. Uh, I believe he. I believe he only had a. Uh, was he sixteen and four? I think in Bellator. I so you know, uh, you know, having four losses in Bellator, coming over to UFC. Uh, I think I don't know. I think it, it, UFC is a whole other game. These guys are the top athletes in this type of sport. Uh, my heart's on Chandler, but I think Hooker's gonna get is gonna get the win. Uh, I just think his reach is mm-hmm. is too big. Um, I think Chandler' only way of winning would be getting getting in close, taking him down. Because his ground and pound game is probably, I mean, besides Khabib, I mean Chandler. And once he gets you on the ground, man, he beats you up. So I think that's that's gonna be his game plan is try to take down Hooker ground and pound. But if Hooker, you know establishes that jab and keeps that distance where Chandler can't shoot and take him down. Mm-hmm. I think Dan Hooker gets the win. And I just think he, like, uh, like Ryan said, you know, coming off the loss against Poirier, you know, he's motivated to get a big win again. And, you know, a guy coming in from another, another, uh, what, 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 a league, uh, division or whatever organization, yeah, organization. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I'm sure he's hyped on that. You know, he doesn't want to take that, that, that first L for, or, you know, get an L from a guy from, coming from another organization. So Hart's Chandler, but I think Hooker gets it done. Okay. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you at all, man. But you're both wrong. And uh, Michael Chandler is going to win this fight, man. My man's going to come into the UFC the way Justin Gaethje did, and he's going to get a, have a spectacular fight. Gaethje went against Michael Johnson. It was a crazy, crazy fight. And then Gaethje ended him um, late in that fight. I think Chandler ends Hooker. And the reason why is I think Michael Chandler hits really, really hard. And Dan Hooker took a lot of shots from Dustin Poirier. Dan Hooker is a slow starter. Michael Chandler is a fast out the gate swing for the fences type guy and i think he does get in enough but i don't think he goes for the, the shoot and the takedown i think he hammers dan hooker's body up and then he goes upstairs man michael chandler has some big knockouts in um in bellator his record was 21 and 5 rich okay. so he does have his losses but everyone does in ufc i uh, mean uh in in mma but i just like michael chandler's chances of getting inside working the body going up top knocking him out, starting his UFC run off with a knockout of Dan Hooker. And here's the other reason why. I want to ask you guys about this before we get to Conor and Poirier. Khabib comes out this week, and he has a he has a sit-down with Dana White, and they come with this, you know, breaking news. Dana White, man, we love you at the RDC. But, like, if you're going to show some breaking news, man, give me some breaking news. Don't give me maybe this guy fights again. And I understand that. I'm just busting your chops, Dana White, because I wanted to hear he was coming back. So Khabib says, I'm only going to come back, though, if I'm impressed with what happens in the co-main or the main event. He was also impressed by Charles Oliveira as well as what he said. But do you think one of these guys need to knock the other guy out in order to get that fight with Habib? Right? I don't think think there's anything that they in the co-main event could do to get Khabib's attention personally. Maybe if... I would say the only thing would be maybe if Michael Chandler puts on a spectacular performance, 
um, knocks him out quickly or has like a really good display on the ground or something because that's another you know that's just a storyline uh, that causes when it comes to Khabib fights he's going to make his money regardless but it's just another storyline to get people to you know buy into the fight and what they're trying to do there um, otherwise I don't really it doesn't really make sense in my opinion for him to come back and fight one of those guys maybe just to get the 30 or what is it 30 right um, yes that he's going for uh besides that but i i really don't see why he would come back and and try to get his 30th you know it's supposed to be a big deal for him just off of, not to say off of a ra- random fighter because these guys aren't random fighters but to most of the world who aren't mma fans these never heard of these guys before in their lives um like i can go to my roommates who you know watch ufc with me when we're watching you know big fights and stuff and they'll know a few guys here and there but uh the the card came up on the TV, and I was like, oh, I'm real hyped for that co-main event, and none of them knew who either of them were. So for Khabib to step out and try to get this big 30th win over someone like that, um, I mean, for MMA fans, sure, but if it's supposed to be like this big spectacular thing for the UFC, I don't I don't see it being one of those guys. Uh, that being said, for the main event, if one of those guys sh- shocks him, uh, I think that could be a different story. Uh, I'm not sure that that might be a little too much to to get into right now uh, about a McGregor Khabib, you know, rematch or even a Poirier Khabib rematch. Um, but yeah, that that's just my opinion on on both those on the Dana comment. What do you think, Rich? You think one of those guys can impress enough Chandler or Hooker to get the attention of Khabib? Well, they got to go through somebody first to even think about that, even, oh. even after this. I think Ryan was pretty spot on in that. I think, you know, the only way that maybe Chandler could get Khabib's attention is if he has a dominant ground and pound performance and, you know, people start saying, you know, could Chandler be the one to, you know, to go against Khabib, you know, toe-to-toe with this ground and pound game and kind of get Khabib's attention and, you know, maybe get under his skin a little bit about it. There's a lot of there's a lot of buzz about Chandler's ground and pound game. And so... That's the only way I think any of those two fighters could get any any type of look from Khabib. Uh, like Ryan said, once we get into this main this main event, I mean that's a whole different story. Uh, I, I'll you know I'll let us talk about who we think's gonna win, and then I'll get back to my whole theory on that. Okay, and I got a little theory of myself about how Michael Chandler could possibly get at this fight. And with that being said, we'll come back to that in a second after we pick this McGregor. First, Dustin Poirier. Two, McGregor knocked him out in the first fight, first round. It he he knocked him out cold, man. Um, this is Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor. Two, man, I am so happy this guy is back, Conor McGregor, and I love Dustin Poirier. But is the second fight, Rich? Is there a difference in this fight, or does this fight go the same way? Uh, there's a huge difference in this fight, I believe. I think Dustin's, you know, he's on a whole other level now. Uh, I personally think he's probably one of the top boxers in the UFC. Um, with with Connor, I mean, his last fight, you know, he mentioned he knocked out Cerrone in 90 seconds. You know, it's kind of Connor's thing. If he doesn't knock you out in the first round or early second, I mean, he usually puts himself in danger. I mean, he, I know he went the distance with Nate in the second fight, but uh, I, I I think if Connor can't knock Dustin out in the first round or maybe early second. I think Dustin's going to have a field day and 
I think Dustin gets the win. Okay, not bad. McGregor, Dustin Poirier too. Rich is going with Poirier. Mm. Rye, what are you <laughs> going with? What's going on here? Am I going to be the lone wolf again in these fights? Or what are you coming with? Does McGregor do the same thing or does it look different? Well, I'll agree with Rich in one in one uh, way that I think Poirier is a different fighter than he was then. Uh, he's looked a lot better, a lot more mature uh, in his recent fights. He's been playing his game, uh, his fight style, and I like what he's been doing, but I'm going to still have to go with McGregor. Um, I know it's just a lot of buzz about, oh, he's looked the best he's looked. Yeah, I feel like they say that every time he fights. So I'm not really buying into that too much. But when McGregor comes back, you know he likes to pull all these charades. But when he when he takes a long hiatus, he doesn't come back until he thinks he's ready or in a position to win. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't do it. Um, and I think that this was the perfect position for him to come back and really assert his dominance against a guy who, we're look, we're talking about is really evolving as a fighter really becoming one of the top contenders, if not, you know, already obviously is the top contender. But I think this is the perfect position for him to come out and then reinforce who he is in the fact that uh, he's McGregor and he's going to put on a show. So I, I agree that uh, usually his thing is you got to knock someone out early. Uh, but I still like I still like McGregor's chances in this one. So I got McGregor. Okay, well, you got Rich. You're itching over there. Before I give my, my answer, do <laughs> you want to say something? Ryan just said something, you know, like uh, Connor came back last year, got a win. We were all hyped. We thought he was going to fight a couple more times last year. Obviously, you know, with the situation that, ha- that happened with the pandemic, kind of, might have had some effect with that. But, uh, I mean, if Connor comes out and has a dominant win, I mean, who knows what this guy's going to do? Is he going to fight again? Is he going to fight soon? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, going to my whole theory with Khabib's attention with Connor, I think for Khabib Connor rematch, Connor's going to have to fight at least at least two two fights this year to get his attention and show that he's he's back and he's he's one hundred percent back in the UFC and and uh, I I also think this performance against Dustin, you know, he has to show Connor's whole issue is his his cardio this guy gasses out so i think if he has a dominant performance doesn't gas out shows energy throughout the whole fight you know that might catch khabib's attention but uh i think it's gonna take more than just one fight for connor and he has to be consistent okay i like it i like it so me being the well, one, Conor McGregor fan, huge Conor McGregor fan. And two, being a huge fan of the UFC, all week I've been doing research so that I can give both of you the best <laughs> answer, the best answer possible and the fans the best answer possible. So exactly like both of you were saying, leading up to this fight, Conor McGregor's whole storyline and, and the build around it is that he's in the best shape that he's ever been in, right? And 
he, we, like Ryan said, you can always say that about his next fight too. But I do believe that in this fight. And I do believe it because at 155, this is his second fight ever. He's only fought one time, I think, at 155. Beat Eddie Alvarez, became the double champ champ, and then went on to fight uh, Mayweather. And then when he came back, he fought at 170. So I think this is the first time he's committed to a 155 cut. And you've seen him at the weigh-in. He looked phenomenal at the way and he's got a ton of energy his head is positive every interview he did i must have watched every single one he did with every single person in abu dhabi his his energy his his mentality you know his his zeal is on point it's way different than i've ever seen him before he sounds more mature looks more mature um he's thinking clearly and he said after he beat cerrone I hope I hit all these points. After he hits, after he beats Cerrone, he meets up with Lorenzo Fertitta, former um, UFC owner, and Dana White. But Conor considers Lorenzo a very close friend to him and a mentor to him, as well as Dana White as well. They meet after the Cerrone fight, and they're going back and forth at dinner about what fights make sense. Where do we go from here? And he said they couldn't come up with anything. Nothing was exciting him. Nothing. Nothing was. What's this guy doing? Talking during the podcast? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He said nothing interests him. Nothing was really available to him. So he said he kind of just he wanted to fight. He was ready to fight the whole 2020. He said, I had no problem with it, but nothing was coming through. And then the pandemic and all this happens. So I think it had a couple of different factors in there. But I do believe tomorrow we're going to see one of the best, most committed fighters in his like in his career and he is ready to go and he is ready to knock this guy out i think it's in two i think the first round they feel out when he hits him with some nice shots but i think by round two or late round one but i would go round two conor mcgregor puts him out with a left hand and it's a devastating left hand or possibly a kick to the head like he did the cerrone now say this happens this is my opinion conor beats poye then Connor fights Michael Chandler because Chandler wins. I think then he gets a fight, and then it makes Khabib come out of retirement. He gets to fight Habib. But he also said this. He said, if Habib does not come back, I got no problem with that. He he's then he's running on me, and he's not gonna you know he's not gonna give another chance. So it is what it is. I'll run through this whole division. He is ready to make a run at 155. He said, I am fully committed to the UFC, and I am ready to go. He said that that. Um, retirement was because I was angry and upset and I wanted to force Dana White in the UFC's hand and they didn't, it didn't, it, I couldn't do it. So he's ready to fight at 155 and go on a run. I'm telling you right now, it's happening. This is going down. This man is going off and he's either going to bring Habib back or he's going to be the next greatest fighter in the UFC. I, just I feel have... like I'm having deja vu. <laughs> Why? I feel like you said this last January too. Well, Rich, I was I was kind of right because it wasn't necessarily his fault. He was ready to fight multiple fights in 2020, and the UFC had nothing to offer him. And then the pandemic hit, and then it was it, he said he was ready to fight whoever. It just didn't make sense who was left at that point in in each division. He said he really wishes he took the 170 bout to try to get a belt, but that wasn't offered to him, and he wasn't ready to fully commit to any really weight division. That was the thing. So he just wanted fights. But I'm telling you, man, this guy, if you throw on any interview right now, you could you will see the difference. It's it's blatant and it's genuine. I just had a quick question. I don't know if yeah. 
um, I don't know if I just want to know what you meant by uh, his first time fighting back at 155. Like so, he was a featherweight his whole career at 145. He wins the belt, beats Aldo, and then he goes to 155 to become the double champ. Right. Fights Eddie, fights Eddie Alvarez, beats Eddie Alvarez, becomes the double champ, and then he fights Floyd Mayweather. And then he fights. But didn't he fight Khabib at 155? Um. Yes. Okay. So it's two yes. fights. Two fights at okay. 155. You're right. He fight the two Nate fights were at 170. 170. Right. Yeah. And um. And then he went to the, and then he, he it was a sh- very short stint at 155. Right, Beat Alvarez, right. which I think was the first round, and then fights Khabib. So he's got a total of five rounds at 155. Right. That's that's my only question was what he fought Khabib at originally, which got, yeah. I thought it was 155 and and it was. So that's why. Hundred percent. But I I mean I agree with what you're saying. I I've listened to the words that he's been speaking his interviews has definitely seemed a lot more genuine he's i i don't know how to describe it but he feel it feels like this one he's he's always gonna be mcgregor right we're not gonna you're not gonna get someone who isn't him but if like even his his uh face off with poirier if you watch that like was different uh there was there was a lot of laughs being shared, a lot of hugs being shared, a lot of high fives, which is different than, than a lot of McGregor fights we've seen in the past where he's he's in the other guy's face, taunting him, but then afterwards he's more, you know, uh, like even, even with Cowboy, you know, he had respect for Cowboy, but he was like, yeah, you know, I was going to come in here. I knew I was going to finish him quickly. He wasn't ready for what I had to bring. So it's like, but this one feels a little bit different. I don't know if the respect level is up uh, or if, like you said, his mindset is a little bit different. He's he's not all, he's about um, having a future in in the division for the upcoming future. So um, I think we'll I think we'll just have to see. I I like to think that he's gonna start running through the division and we're gonna get a lot more McGregor pay per views coming up uh, from a fan's perspective. So mm-hmm. I, I would love to see that. Definitely. I think there is a lot more respect this time around. They both showed each other respect. He respects the 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 journey that Poirier went on after that loss, mm-hmm. Poirier had a great man career after that. You know, he really went on a great run, was an interim champ at 155 as well. Um, Dustin Poirier and him really respect each other, but he said, make no mistake about it. You know, I respect my opponent. I think that's big too with his getting his boxing coach back that he's had for a really long time, really connecting and with the people who are around him that care about him. I think he's matured as a, as a man, as a fighter, and he really has respect for the game. You know, and he said, I got all the money in the world. This isn't about fighting. You know, this isn't about money. This is about fighting. I want highlights. Highlights is what goes on, is what my kids will see. And his family's a part of this. And I just think he's a, in a very, he's very dangerous to everyone and anyone. And if he will make believers out of the non-believers. So respect it, Rich. And I'm hey, telling listen, you, broski. Listen, listen, man. I hope you're 100% right. I love Connor. I know. Just just the last few years have been rough. You know, he comes in, he fights one fight, and he's gone, and he retires. You know, I, I just want him back. I, I want to see him consistently. You know, two, I, I want to see him fight at least three times this year. Definitely. Definitely. And I think we will. I really do. I think Dane is going to just put him in and get him in there, let him fight. If the Khabib one comes up, it comes up great, awesome. But I also think this. If Michael Chandler – beat knocks out Dan Hooker. This is this is the Michael Chandler way in. He knocks out Dan Hooker and Khabib says, I wanna kinda like 
be, I want to throw some shade at Conor McGregor. I'll fight, you know what? I'll come back. I'll fight Michael Chandler, you know, just to give it, just to give it to Conor a little bit. You know what I'm saying? That's, I think the way that Chandler gets Habib, but I agree with you guys a hundred percent. The only but, fight that makes sense is Conor versus Habib. He's got to get past Dan what? Hooker first before he gets it. Oh, correct, correct, right. That's the only way Chandler gets it. He's got to <laughs> knock out Hooker and then right. hope and hope that Habib is feeling, you know, froggy. Right. I, to me, I think, you know, after this fight, I think whoever wins the Chandler Hooker fight, uh, obviously if Khabib doesn't come back to fight one of them, but you still got Justin Gaethje out there, man. You you can make two great matchups with the winners of the of these fights. You oh, know? I agree hundred percent, oh, yeah. Rich. We're definitely M- not Mike, sure. if, go yeah. Ahead, go ahead. If Mike if Michael Chandler wins, even if he goes and fights Justin Gaethje next, great fight. Connor versus Khabib, great fight. Connor versus Gaethje, great fight. Chandler versus Khabib, great fight. I right. mean, I, I I there's no wrong way after these fights. I think oh, 100%. I think you touched on a really important point. It's like, this is the deepest division in the UFC. Uh, it's like, you, there's tons of tons of matchups you can make for who deserves the top spot. And then with Khabib coming back, who he's going to fight. You can have, it, it could be till 2023 making fights to see who Khabib will come back and, and fight. So it's like, we're definitely, on from a fan's perspective, we're not short of of good cards. There's definitely going to be tons of good fights to make for, for Dana. It's just what is going to make sense in the long run in terms of the rankings and, and obviously money for selling pay-per-views and stuff. But yeah, you're definitely right, Rich. We're not short for fights. Uh, that's for sure. Oh, I agree. And that's the other thing Connor said. He said, this division is stacked. Like I, this is going to be a great run to go on. Could you imagine if Connor McGregor cleans out the featherweight division in his time at in the featherweight, and then he goes to 155 and he cleans the 155 out. But I agree, there's so many good fights, Rich. There's so many good (laughs) fights, though. There really is. But but think about it, right? Think about it. This kind of sets up to be in Connor's favor. Habib is retired, wrestler. Connor gave Khabib, I think, the best fight that Habib has ever got. And a lot of experts are saying it now too. The more they watch it, and the more they see the scramble ability of Connor, and the, and going the four rounds with Habib is something that Connor has done that not a lot of people have done. Iaquinta went five, but he got beat up the whole entire fight. Didn't even win. So, but I think with Poirier and Gaethje and Chandler and Hooker and Oliveira, like with this division, those are all strikers. Those guys get touched by the left hand of Mystic Mac, and it's game over. It, they, he doesn't hit like on other 155ers. That's why I'm saying this matches up to be a nice run for him. A lot of strikers, a lot of guys who want to stand toe-to-toe. This could be Tony Ferguson. He's still in this division too. Those guys want to stand and bang. You know, Ooh. Michael Chandler versus Connor may be a different story, but Chandler's going to want to stand and bang also, too, I man. Think- get- but sorry. Yeah, no, I that's how I was that's all I was gonna say. Uh, right, go ahead. I was gonna say I also think in in terms of something you mentioned earlier, I think Charles Oliveira looks dangerous on the ground right now. We saw him doing things to, to Tony Ferguson that never saw it done before on the ground in terms of Brazilian jiu jitsu and and scrambling and getting into different positions. So I think that's another guy who if you're talking, you know, a different story, uh he's got that ground game that I, it might be a little too early to talk about because it was one good fight from him, 
but he's been he's been doing I don't know, he's he impressed me with his last fight against Tony Ferguson. I think that uh if there's gonna be someone who mixes it up who he can't just hit with the left hook and it's over, that's one of those guys you gotta mention. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And watch this. I'm gonna lift up and I'm gonna move myself. You two is gonna see me move because I live with an amazing and awesome woman right it's ryan's sister i'm married to um mm-hmm. and uh but she doesn't quite realize that i'm recording a podcast and she's banging pans and YouTube, give me a second. youtube youtube and uh and the audio listeners heard the whole dish rack being washed i heard it. oh okay you guys heard it oh, yeah. oh my gosh man okay so i gotta move I got, I got my son's thing coming. How, how is it possible that out of all the little boys in the whole world, we got the best one? Let's go. The champ is on his way here, okay? <laughs> I just want everyone to know that out there. The champ is on his way here, man, and he's got a really good mentor in his cousin Shay, man. She's got a mean a mean one Ooh. that she keeps telling me whenever Sonny gets here <laughs> that she's gonna, her and Sonny are going to duke it out. So this is Don't great, man. Don't forget about the, BC. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lulu has got the ground game. Lucy is more of a ground game, I would say, to her. Right? Would you say that? Lucy's got a better – Lucy's a ground game grappler. Shay is a stand, and, you know, she wants to strike. Right. Don't she got a mean guillotine? (laughs) And for those those out there, you know, who are listening and aren't familiar, they're talking about their kids fighting each other, right? (laughs) Five years and – five in younger division. Yes, yes, yes. Correct. Here we go, man. All right, now I got the light. I got a different room. I got my boy's chair. There we, we go. rocking them in. This is the new podcast room. So great fights to come. Please tune in, everybody. Um, these are going to be very, very interesting fights, and there's going to be a lot of things I, that we think are going to come off of this. More fights, uh, more pay-per-views, a great run, hopefully, by Conor McGregor, man. I, I just I, I can't wait for that. I'm absolutely stoked for this for this card tomorrow night. Agreed. Um, before we jump into football, I had a question to ask. I heard this earlier today in this YouTube video I was watching. It's just a random question. If you could be a master at any instrument, what instrument would it be? If you could be Ooh. a master at any instrument, like you just, you know, it's just, it'd be so dope. You, you have to party and, you know, well, after 2020 and we all get back. But when you're back to a party again, you could just grab this instrument and there's a crowd there and you just start rocking. Oh, I got like, it. How, I got an easy what would it answer. Be? What would it be, right? Piano. Oh, that's mine. I agree. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You could just do so much with that. So much. You could be, you could transform that into, you know, music production. You could go electronic. You could go classic. And you just know, like, you know so many. So I took a piano class in college as an elective. <clears throat> And I already know how to read music, both like treble and bass club. Not great, but uh, I grew up playing. I played the tuba when I was younger. Mm-hmm. For those of you little, little fun <laughs> fact, I was I was the instrument was bigger than me. I didn't grow till I was in my senior year of high school. But anyway, yeah. So you could just you just have to know everything. You know all the notes, all the clefs. So it's that would be my one. I just rock out on. Oh, me too, man. I, I always picture like being in the lobby somewhere, you know, and just the pianos there and just hit a quick tune and people are like, what? What's <laughs> going on here? Yeah, piano is classic, man. Piano is awesome. What do you think, Rich? I'm a drum. Hey, Drums bro. is a great one, man. That's a that's good one. The, that is a real, that's top three. Yeah. It's, pia- yeah. it's piano for me. 
you the guitar there the you guitar, go i was gonna say guitar's gotta be in there gu- guitar is just so cool gotta you know what there. i'm saying grabbing a guitar hitting a couple tunes at a fire or something like that bonfire or just kicking it with the homies or something like that at a party whatever jamming out on the drums though is just sick who's that I one agree, guy? travis travis uh barker barker you ever see this watch, sit down and watch the YouTube video of him going nuts on the drums? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Listen, drums are going. Cool. one of the coolest instruments ever. I agree with you, Rich. So, so cool. And just the, just the music you, excuse me, this music you make from drums, unbelievable, unbelievable. So I just wanted to throw that out there, see what you thought. But my instant thought was piano right yeah, off the bat. For sure. Same for me. That's what I thought right away. Oh, has to be, has to be. All right. So, so yo, we, th- this is what I want to do. We, we should might as well, Ryan will cut it here because it's only three minutes left. Then we'll start discuss football. All right. So we discussed the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier fight, man. That one's going to be a banger. But I also wanted to ask you guys about another fight that was really something that I can't believe I actually seen. I think it's the best fight I've ever seen. The best performance i'm sorry i've ever seen in the ufc by a fighter and that's max holloway beating calvin cater on the um card last saturday wow did you guys see this fight rich did you see this oh you oh yeah i I was i was with you (laughs) i was so much in the zone dude of that fight and we were cheering i know we had chris brown shout out to chris brown um on facetime while the fight was going on rich how crazy was that that, that fight was insane. Your dad was even watching with us, and he was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, Max was just throwing combos after combos. And th- th- that, that performance was unreal. Uh, I, listened, I listened to Joe Rogan a lot, so I was listening to one of his podcasts on the way to work this weekend. Uh, uh, Max Holloway has the top three uh, striking, significant strikes thrown in a fight. Oh, yeah. You know, I think it was 800 or 700 in this fight. And then he threw 400. He broke his record, which was 400. And then the third best it was, is, is by him. So he has a top three. Yeah, I was um, – if you were watching, uh, they mentioned that he is the all-time strike leader by over 300 strikes. And then he just increased his lead by another 600, 700 strikes right there. Unreal. And, uh, yeah, I was I, – I had it on. Um, we were watching – uh, so my roommate, uh, the champ, shout out Sir, he's a big Packers fan growing up, him and his dad. So the Packers game Ooh. was on while this fight was on. And uh, we so we had the Packers on, and I was like, all right, when it gets to the Holloway-Cater fight, we got to switch over. So he was like, all right, all right, no biggie. So we switched over, and me and Steve were, whoa, on the edge of our seat. <laughs> and we he went upstairs to watch the rest of the Packer game, and he started hearing us going crazy for the fights he had to run downstairs throw a packer game on his phone it was that crazy but yeah i i mean this was insane one of i i gotta agree the best individual performance i have seen in a ufc fight for sure definitely unbelievable man and then when he throws the no look punch oh yeah (laughs) he's talking to he's ducking oh man Oh wow! The head movement, the uh, the no look punch, the precision, the power. He said he didn't spar for this. He, he, you know, and he didn't spar for the last one against Volkanovski either. I think that's good for a guy like Max. I've heard that some of these guys do this, or they have a really, really light spar where there's not much hitting. It's just a lot of playing. You know, like a play 
fight and and just to work on the rhythm and things like that. But man, whatever he did, man, he looked phenomenal. He is definitely one of the best boxers in the UFC. Calvin Cater leading into it was saying that Cater was calling himself a senior compared to Max Holloway's freshman boxing. And he was yelling that back at him. I guess the freshman has came to play. And Max Holloway, the blessed express man, holy cow. Bro, I can't believe (laughs) it. The fight was unbelievable. It was nuts. strikes that he was hitting him with and the combinations and the boom, boom, and in and out. And just how he looked. I've never seen a fighter. Everything, Rich. It was in the zone, man, in the zone. Like, I've never seen somebody in the zone before. You know, absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. But great fight. Excited to see where Max Holloway goes from here. And they could, I mean, listen, maybe he comes to 155, starts fighting guys there, man. I don't know. But I think he's going to challenge again, obviously, at 155, either Volkanovski or Brian Ortega, the winner of that. And, oh, man, I don't care who it is. I want Maxi Baby to have the belt back. Um, the conference champion, yeah, Rich, you have something to say before we move on? No, I was just going to ask if you guys saw the video where Connor was getting interviewed. And he's like, yo. That looked like Max Holloway on a skateboard. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> yes. That was funny. Yes, I seen that. Awesome. Max is the man, bro. But shout out to Max, man. Just got engaged, too. God bless that guy, man. Um, championship weekend, man. Conference championship weekend. Woo. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Green Bay Packers at 3.05. Mm-hmm. And then the AFC championship, Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia going against Kansas City Chiefs, man. Oh, boy. Here we go. Let's pick who you want to win. I'll start with Rich. Tampa Bay, Green Bay. Tell me who wins, Rich, and tell me why. Uh, I'm going to go Tampa Bay. I think, nice. that defense is, I think that defense is playing really well right now. Um, as long as Tom Brady could, could you know, he, he's always clutching the playoffs. So as long as he oh, has yeah. a good performance and doesn't, you know, he had a couple games this season where he – through some bad interceptions, but I think Fournette's on another level right now. He's been running the ball well and catching the ball out of the backfield. So just the weapons Brady has, I think he'll be able to keep up with that Packers offense. Um, trying to stop Devontae Adams is impossible, but mm-hmm. I think with the with the you know all was, with Mike Evans, Godwin, Gronk, Fournette, I mean he has enough weapons to try to keep up with Green Bay and uh I think the Buccaneers defense is hot right now and they'll get a they'll get a, enough stops. Uh it's gonna be a close game. Um if I had a 27-24, you know, it's gonna be a high scoring. I think they win by a field goal at the end, but I want the Bucks to win. Okay, I like it. So it's funny you mentioned that about Tom Brady and Frankie, which I will drag him out, almost had him in red of retirement, given my man Tom Brady hate all year. Tom, according to PFF, I don't know what this is, but they use it power football focus. Maybe I think that's what it is. Some professional yeah. football focus. Okay. Um, Tom Brady, 98, 93.3 grade this season. Second highest among quarterbacks. Tom Brady. Okay. So stop giving this guy hate. Stop telling me this guy is, you know, washed up. He can't throw the ball. Can't do anything. Stop. He's second. Second. First. Was, Tom, was Aaron Rodgers with 94.6. So this is the battle of the quarterbacks, the legends, the GOAT in Tom Brady, maybe maybe a future GOAT in Aaron Rodgers. Right? what do you think? Packers, Bucks, who wins and why? Uh, I think what Rich said 
pretty much nailed it. Uh, I think both these offenses are really good, have a lot of weapons. I uh, give the edge to Green Bay on the offensive end uh, just for the fact that what you just mentioned, Aaron Rodgers has just had an unreal year. Um, and you're right, you can't stop Devontae Adams, but that run game is also underrated. Uh, Aaron Jones has been running super well. Uh, they then they have they go three deep at the running back position. Jamal Williams runs super tough between the tackles, and um, it was AJ Dillon, uh, yep. their rookie, has been running super well as of late. So I think I got to give the edge to Green Bay in the on the offensive end, but on the defensive side of the ball, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is probably, I'd say, three times better than the Green Bay defense as of right now uh they were having trouble stopping a injured jared goff moving up and down the field uh you know rams didn't have enough firepower to keep up with green bay scoring after in the end of it but he was moving the ball on them for a little bit and i think that tom brady and the weapons that they have is just gonna overwhelm uh green bay's defense and i think that the offense is gonna be able to keep it close uh, I mean, I'm sorry. The defense is going to be able to keep it close enough for uh, the offense to keep striking, keep playing pressure. And I got Tampa Bay in, the, in that one as well. Oh, wow. I like this, man. Okay, we're all on the same page here. I'm, I'm, I believe Tampa Bay wins as well. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, two things. Rich, last week when I listened back to the episode, you were 100% right in the sense that um, having uh, Devin White back, uh, and being able to cover, um, what's his name? Kamara. Uh, Alvin Kamara. Wow, man. That was a huge part of that game. You called it perfect on the podcast last week that that was going to be a really good matchup and a big determination of how that game was going to go. So I think Tampa's defense, like Ryan is saying and you're saying, man, they are on fire and they are playing great. Devin White had like 11 tackles in the game, or, or recovered a forced fumble, has a pick. Man, the guy was unbelievable. It was a huge difference. Um, and just him with David, the other linebacker, with that with Winfield, that rookie safety. Oh, yeah. I think they're going to make it really hard for Aaron Rodgers like they did the first game. They blitzed them a lot, and it really paid off. Since that game, Aaron Rodgers has been unbelievable against the blitz. I, I don't even get be able, I wasn't able to get that stat today, but I heard it on NFL Network. Since the Buccaneers game during the season when the Buccaneers blitzed him and really hurt him, Aaron Rodgers really recovered and did well. Aaron Rodgers has 22 touchdown passes and zero picks off, off of a play action. Sorry, so man. That, that's okay. <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy, man. 22 touchdowns, zero picks off a of play action. So maybe they play a little play action there. But I do think Tom Brady holds that offense together. They score points. They play solid. They don't turn the ball over, and I think the, the, how good Tampa's defense is, I think they really are able to pull this game off and beat Aaron Rodgers, make him do one or two things, make him have one or two turnovers or the you know someone on offense fumble one or two times where they get that momentum going the other way, the way that Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay did last week as well. Now, I want to ask you guys this. The game being in Lambeau and it being extremely cold, do you think that's any type of narrative to this game with Tampa obviously playing in Florida coming over? Do you think that plays any factor or has Tampa Bay and Tom Brady played enough cold weather games where they could overcome that, Rich? What do you think? Uh, I, was, that's what I was just about to say. 
Tom Brady played in New England his whole career. Most of the time, New England had home field advantage. So come playoff time, he's used to playing in the cold. I, and, I, you know, I think that's a huge factor in these games is a quarterback's play in the cold. And I think you'll be able to adapt to it. I think you'll be able to play in Lambeau and play just fine. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a little bit I'm a little bit different in that because you're right. Uh, Tom Brady definitely has the experience playing in the cold. Uh, I'm not really worried about his play when it comes to the temperature changes. He's a seasoned vet. Um, these these other guys, on the other hand, I I am a little bit more worried. Like there is a little bit of cause of concern, um, depending how cold it's going to be. Uh, just dropping passes has already been an issue for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. And the weather could affect that in a little bit. I'm not willing to say it's the game changer where I think just because of the weather, they're going to lose this game now. But I am a little bit concerned about that. I I think that Tom Brady is fine, but he can't throw and catch the passes. He can't make all the tackles uh, on defense too. So um, I think there's a little bit cause concern, but uh, I'm still, that being said, I'm still willing to give the edge to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, I like it. All three of us going Tampa. Um, that's a great point you brought up, Ryan. Uh, Godwin has dropped a lot of passes here lately. Um, Evans may have one or two drops. They, they're they having struggles with that. And when it's cold weather, we've all played football games before. It's not always the easiest to catch that rock mm-hmm. coming out at you. So hopefully they're able to get their hands, um, I don't know, dip them in sticks, <laughs> stuck, stick them, Hot wax some Newman, go back to the Newman's old school gloves. I don't care what you do. Figure out how to catch those balls, man, because they're coming that way. I want to ask you guys a question before we went to got to Buffalo and the Chiefs. Phillip Rivers retiring. What do you think about this? Me and Ryan discussed this on the first episode. We thought he still had some left. Um, Frank Reich, his coach, thought he had some left. What do you think about Phil retiring, Rich? Oh, I th- I don't know. I mean, he 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 did he he did play well this year, you know. He, typical Phil Philip Rivers season, you know. Uh, great games here, you know, mistakes here and there. But uh, seventeen years in the league, you know. He he said he was blessed with the sixteen seasons with the Chargers, the one year with uh, with um. Indy. The Colts, yep, and uh, he wore the, he wore the number seventeen. So, I, I just think everything tied in together, perfect for him to retire. Yeah, I I think that uh, what we were talking about before, Mike, where we thought he could, you know, had a little bit left from his performance this season. Uh, that also doesn't uh, that also doesn't mean he has to, you know, like he has a million and a half kids. Right. He, yeah. he has a ton of other priorities in life and who knows how he was feeling, you know, just because he was performing decently, uh, pretty well, doesn't mean that, you know, he enjoyed it, you know, enjoyed waking up and doing all these things, knowing he's got family. Like we don't know all these other things behind. And I'm sure that like Rich said, he, he's satisfied with his career thus far. Uh, he had some good seasons, some ups and downs, but, uh, he gave 17 really good years to the nfl so i think that he felt that it was it was time and who can blame him for that no i agree i agree totally and with um the saints losing and drew Brees um ending the season earlier than the super bowl game what do you think that does for drew Brees? another year really not in the super bowl 
you know, another year where he came up short, the Saints came up short. You know, he play, he didn't have play a lot of games this year, hurt for a big portion. His wife tweeted out he had like a knee injury, yeah. multiple rib injuries, a mm-hmm. bunch of different things added up for him this year. What do you think Drew does? Does Drew come back, Rich, or does Drew retire? I think I think we saw the last of Drew Brees. I think wow. I think he's gonna retire. Um, great career. I mean, I a little bit makes me feel like Michael Thomas played injured, and he said he did that because this could be Drew Brees' last season. So I feel like there was some type of in uh, in house type of thing, like hey, you know, this might be Drew's last season. And uh, I think it is. I think we've seen the last of him. I mean, what, what he did for New Orleans was amazing. You know, bringing him a Super Bowl, you know. Uh, wasn't that the year after? Uh, Katrina, yeah. Katrina, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. Unbelievable career, man. Absolutely unbelievable. Right, what do you think he does? Then he comes back for one more. Is uh, on a different team, maybe? Or does he retire? What do you think? Um, I think he retires a New Orleans Saint, and I think he does it this year. I think that... The injury that he sustained, I I don't think that he would have done it. Let's say you asked him at the beginning of the season. Of course, he's going to say, we'll see how this season goes. But I think in his head, he thought maybe this season goes a little bit better, a little bit different. Um, but after that injury, man, a what was it? A punctured lung and oh, a bunch yeah. of fractured ribs. At that, at that age, you could tell when he came back, he was just a completely different quarterback. He couldn't throw down the field. They had to bring in. Jameis Winston run trick plays just to get a deep ball. Uh, they're running Taysom Hill, which they were doing anyway in the beginning of the season. But th- you could just tell that they were just trying to game plan around the fact that they know Drew Brees probably can't do the things that he normally does. And they lost. Uh, they can't win. You can't win playoff games against really good teams when your quarterback can't play to the best of his ability. So I think he knows that. And I think that he's not a selfish guy. I don't think that – I think that coming back, knowing that he can't perform to the highest of his ability would be a selfish decision, and I don't think that he's willing to, to do that. So who knows? Maybe he rehabs in the off season and mm-hmm. looks incredible and comes back even better. Who knows? But I think yeah. that towards the end of the season, you could really tell that he was like, okay, uh, this might be it for me. These injuries are starting to pile up. So I agree. I totally agree. Um and to me, though, I, I couldn't agree more with everything you guys said, but I, I don't know. I think if he takes a couple months off and he evaluates what he wants to do, I think he says to himself, I really don't want to go out like that. I could see him saying, I don't want to go out with these injuries, mm-hmm. with not having a full season, not giving my full maximum effort, you know, and seeing what the result would be. So I think if he gets healthy enough and he feels good, I think there's a good chance he comes back for one more run and one more run only. Um, just to say that he didn't go out, you know, he that he gave it a chance being healthy. You know, I think if he was healthy this whole year and it turned out this way, I think he would step away. Yeah. But I think with the pride he has and the guy that he seems like he is, that he comes back for one more year and he um, he makes one more run at it. So Drew Brees, man, whatever it is, it is we consider you one of the best men at the RDC. Um, and we just, you know, love to see you back. But if not, man, totally, totally respect that. A legend. Um, Patrick Mahomes, man, most likely going to play. Let's not even talk about that. Yeah. He's going to play. <laughs> and the Buffalo Bills at 6.05. Uh, huge game. My dad's going crazy again. My cousin Rudy's going crazy again. Bills Mafia is going crazy again. 
this is going to be a real barn burner is what I think is going to happen here. I got the Buffalo Bills. Let me get this in right now. I love the offense. I love my man, Josh Allen. There you go. (laughs) Wasn't going to do it twice. Wasn't going to do it twice, (laughs) y'all. My man, Josh Allen, coming out, throwing the ball down the field to Diggs and Brown and Beasley and really working the offense down the field on Kansas City's defense, man. I think Tyron Matthew makes a big difference. He's a very good safety to have back there, but a lot of weapons um, in Buffalo. Now, unlike the the Buccaneer and the Packer game, where both of these teams have really solid run games of multiple guys, the Bills haven't found out how to do that yet. So it's a lot on throwing the ball down the field and throwing the ball in general, as well as the Chiefs, though. The Chiefs... No Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They haven't really committed to Le'Veon Bell for whatever reason, or he hasn't shown enough. And Williams, the other running back back there, not really too dominant of a performance where you would say it's going to make a difference. So this is going to be a game where the ball is going in the air. If I was betting, I'd bet the over in both of these games this weekend. (laughs) I will go to over. So that's a little bet there. But I think it's a throw. I think it's a throw for throw, you know, offense versus offense, Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey and that gang versus Diggs and Beasley and that gang over there and two of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL going at each other. I just love this one, but I got Buffalo. What do you think, Ryan? Buffalo or KC? Uh, well, if you asked me last week, I'm going Kansas City, no doubt, but uh, I think they showed, obviously, some weakness in that match against Cleveland. Obviously, uh, Mahomes goes out. Uh Cleveland has an extremely strong run game uh, that Kansas City doesn't really know how to stop. Uh, so it's a little bit closer for me this time. Uh, I'm still going to stick with Kansas City. I'm not going to quite, you know, I love Bills Mafia. Uh, my boy T uh, goes to school in uh, Rochester, and they're all Bills right. fans up there. Uh, Shout out to New T York. and the Rochester crew and the Rochester crew, man. Let's go. Let's oh, go. Yeah. They always sending me Snapchats, you know, going crazy over there. Um, that being said, I still have to rock with the Chiefs. Um, I think that this has been a really good run, and I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Allen came out slinging the ball, the defense came out hot on putting pressure on the Chiefs. But uh, until they prove me otherwise, I'm going to have to roll with the Chiefs in, in a scenario like this. Uh, but it's going to be a crazy game. It's it's not it's not easy to pick whatsoever. I, I like yeah. – Buffalo, my heart's with Buffalo, but if I'm just on the, if I'm on the podcast, you know, using my brain, I'm gonna have to go with, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with Kansas City for this one. I like it. I like it. What do you think, Rich? Kansas City or Buffalo? I'm with Ryan, man. I just, I can't go against Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Reid. Uh, I agree with you, though. I think it's gonna be a shootout. None of these teams have a good running game. Uh, we're gonna see the, we're gonna see over a hundred passes in this game. <laughs> yeah, each QB is gonna throw the ball for fifty times, you know. Uh, but I just can't go against Mahomes and and Andy Reid. I think uh, just overall they got a better team, so got to rock with uh, Kansas City. I like it, Rich. Staff, you caught it and you listened back when you listened to us. My man hit Andy Reid with his government. Andrew Reid hit him. <laughs> I did. You hit him with the government. <laughs> I just did it. Yeah, you hit him with the gun. I must have been right, sleeping right? when I said that. He was sleep talking, y'all. <laughs> Dang, did I really? I almost you hit him with the Andrew. Yes, Andrew. No, I didn't even know. 
at a couple points here for uh, for you cats that watch us on YouTube, there's a point where Rich's screen freezes. I don't know if they're going to see it right. I <laughs> hope it will. They will. It, fro- it, it froze on My man was just like. <laughs> we thought he was out on camera. It looked like he was out on camera, man. In 4K. Out on camera. Rich, did you work today? Yeah. What All time did you get up? Uh, 3.15. Ooh. Oh, 3.15 a.m., man. I lost power at 3.15 a.m. Oh, uh, nice. No power in, in, in over here in uh, good old Milford, man. Come I on, saw man. the fire yeah. trucks going through the town when I was driving for work. Come around on, like 3.30. Y'all. Come on. I woke up in the middle of the night. I heard all the generators going. I don't got one in my in my old in my old crib that I love though. Um, I just, man, I, again, I just want to say something real quick. Uh, going back to Tom Brady, basically. Uh, yeah, I think this is his fourth team year. Or I, I don't I know what it is, but his consecutive championship game. I think wow. fourteen. I heard. So, you know, he he goes switches division, goes to the NFC, makes it to the championship game. Wait, wait, wait. Um, if we're all again? right with Buck. With the Buccaneers winning, uh, this could be the first team to actually host a Super Bowl. Well, yeah, man. I'm sorry, I missed the, I missed the stat. I, I I'm not positive on it, but I think he went like to like 13 straight AFC games. AFC, AFC championship, championship games. Yeah, okay. I think that's I the number I heard. Sk- I, I I could be off, and now he's going to an NFC. So I think it's 14 straight. But didn't they miss it last year? So yeah, maybe England? that's not right. So maybe they in his career, last year in New England? they didn't make the playoffs last year. No, they made the playoffs, but they didn't make the AFC Championship yeah. game. No. Oh right, yeah, yeah. you're right. Maybe, so maybe it's just it's, playoff. Yeah, maybe it's just through, throughout his career. Maybe I that's could what be wrong. That was. Maybe he did. Yeah, I, I, I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I don't remember the stat completely. Maybe it's 14 in his career that he's been to, mm-hmm. but still, I mean. Was the AFC Championship game last year Kansas City versus um, New England? Uh, that's what I'm no. saying. No, I don't, I don't think Kansas City it. Titans. I thought. Yeah, because t- Titans oh. beat the Ravens and then the Patriots. And, yeah. Okay. Okay. And, okay. Okay. Yeah, and the uh, Chiefs came back on the Texans. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So whatever that stat is, whatever Rich's stat is, there, I think yeah, it could yeah. be fourteen. Still total. pretty impressive. The, the point of it is, is that my man wins a lot of champ, goes to a lot of championship games, and most likely wins them. So I'm rooting for Tom Brady. I'm rooting for my man, Josh Allen, and I'm going hard on the Bills and the Bucks. Rich is going um, Bucks and Chiefs, and Ryan is going Bucks and Chiefs as well. So, man, you know what's funny? Um, I I got Bucks and Chiefs on the podcast, but me and Serve got a little bit of. Green Bay and the Bills making the making the Super Bowl. Oh, cold hard cash. But oh, but let, for those of you who are in, who are in uh, sports gamblers out there, uh, you have to know that we're doing this for the odds. The that's mm. where the money is. Uh, that makes sense for us. He's a he's a Green Bay fan, so I'm not gonna say Bills Bucks on him. I had to get him to you know split half the bet, but. <laughs> But that's Definitely. that's what we're gonna hit you with. But yeah, <laughs> in terms of in terms of just predictions, you know, that's where I'm at. Uh, Bucks, Chiefs. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, let's jump into a little NBA before we wrap up the podcast. The Brooklyn Nets get Kyrie Irving finally back, and we see a huge big three out there. And Kyrie Irving, uh, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Man, unbelievable. 
uh, Joe Harris and Jeff Green and um, DeAndre Jordan, and there's just a multiple other guys. Do those guys out there. even matter? They do. Rich. <laughs> I, I, you know, it is. And, and I, I, I hear where you're coming from, and it doesn't matter like who else you throw out. You could throw us three out there with them, and maybe they do the same thing. But listen, I think these guys are a perfect match for them. And I was telling Ryan the other day, anyone in the starting five now that Kyrie is back. Could, could run the ball, could take the rebound and go straight down the other end and create with it in, a, in order to dish to their teammate and get them a good shot. They're a very dangerous starting five team. And I think once the year goes on, I think they only get better with the different rotations that Steve Nash figures out how to get in. Kyrie and James Harden, Kyrie and Durant, Harden and, and Irving. Harden and Durant and the other mix of guys in there. Maybe just so every now and then you see what's out there now. It's Kyrie and the and another four guys. It's Harden and another four guys. It's Durant and another four. You know, not name you know the star players. So they're putting them out there with like the you know the role players individually, and he could do so many different combinations. James Harden, man. So in my opinion, to the start of this trade, I think it looks very very good for Brooklyn. And I think all of these guys, like Ryan said, are going to get shots up. They're going to beat you, you know, at to the point of like, well, you just got to score more than us. If you could score more than us, which is going to be difficult for you to do because your star player is going to have to go off and the second guy is going to have to do something here and there, I don't think you beat these guys, man. I really don't. You beat them with size. I think you beat them with size. I think size can hurt them. But I think overall, their skill level will wear you down, size or not. Didn't they just lose in a double double overtime game? They did to, the to Cleveland. Me, yeah, me and Ryan was talking about this. But Ryan, what? Yeah, you could you could discuss it further. What? Why you think that game happened like that? Right. So my my thing was for that game is, I thought people were going to be uh, too quick to jump on the see see it doesn't work. Like they lost to the Cavs, a terrible Cavs team. Well, you look at that game, and the Cavaliers, in order to beat them, had to put up 147 points, take it to double overtime, and have your star player, like you were saying, drop 42, uh, 20 straight in over in the overtimes. Um, now tonight, right? They had no Durant. Uh, they tonight is Friday, so if you're listening to this on a Saturday or any day in the future, it's Friday the 22nd. They lost again to the Cavaliers tonight. Uh, this to me is just shows the impact of Durant. So no Durant tonight, right? And you have two guys in Kyrie and Harden who are gonna. That's where I think it takes time to figure out. I th- I don't think this is a surprise to anybody. The balance of Kyrie and Harden is where things need to be figured out for that team. Harden and Durant have played together before. Before Kyrie came back, they were winning games. So you could tell that they have that sort of chemistry uh Harden had what a triple double maybe even two and Kyrie and Durant started out the season uh they started out decent you know they weren't spectacular but they're still trying to figure that out with Kyrie I think that given time you're gonna see truly how dangerous they are I think what you were saying is absolutely correct Steve Nash just has to figure out the rotations Mm -hmm. um Whatever that will be, I don't I don't know. That's why he's getting paid to do it, and that's why those guys on the coaching staff are there. Uh, D'Antoni, uh, they got Amari over there. Um, 
but I, I think that it's just too quick to panic if you're a, a you know, a Brooklyn hater or, or a Durant hater. Soak it up while you can. Because uh, I think these guys are going to, once they put it together, and I don't think it's a matter of if, but when. I think uh, I think they will. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Bulls fan. Look at this right here. Y'all on, on YouTube. So don't don't be thinking I got any sort of Nets bias because I am not a Nets fan at all. Matter of fact, I have a good friend Richard, who is a huge Nets fan, and he's the most annoying to listen to talk about basketball. So this is the worst move. But if I'm using my brain here and and analyzing it from a basketball perspective, that's what that's my opinion. What what happened? What was it? Wednesday night when they all all three played together, I saw something that Kyrie took like thirty shots. Right. So both so. Um, both Harden or both Durant and Kyrie had like 38, 37, uh, Harden had low twenties, but near a triple double if he didn't have one. Um, so it looked like what they were doing in there was Harden was taking more of the, okay, this is your guys team role. Just showing that, uh, and this is just my opinion, uh, showing that he can play with other superstars, right? I think that that a lot of the things people were saying was, you know, there's not enough shots for Harden in that scenario. And I think he was saying, I'm okay with that. Uh, I'll have my nights. I I don't need to be an MVP candidate every year. I want to win a championship. I've been an MVP candidate every uh, every year. I've obviously can play the game of basketball at a high level. I think he's he's through with those individual accomplishments that he's that he's had, and I think that. Um, he's okay with, you know, maybe giving up a shot here and there to make Kyrie happy or make KD happy. Yep. I th- Go ahead. I, I, what you're saying right now, I think that is what needs to happen mm-hmm. for them to have success as a, a, a as a trio. Yeah. One of them has to take a step back mm-hmm. and kind of be like that role player. And like you said, you know, he doesn't need to get big stats every night anymore you know i think i think he's i think he wants to win a championship mm-hmm. you know so hard harden harden yeah so i think that's yeah. huge for him too because you know Kyrie has one kd has one harden doesn't right so to me the guy I, that should take the step back should be Kyrie though um i think they're still trying to figure out who plays the point guard um role and who should really do it you know, with more dominance, if that's even needed, when they're three at, when them three are out there. But mm-hmm. I think it's more between Harden and Kyrie of who's gonna who's gonna play that role. Right. Um. I, I don't think anyone creates better than either one of those guys. I do think though, James Harden creates better, um, than Irving does to set up other players. I think Irving creates really well for himself off the dribble, and he can score, which I think Harden can as well. Um, but I think Harden could also create enough where shooters like Joe Harris, shooters like Kevin Durant are going to be able to get wide open shots off. Um, and it's going to be really, really dangerous and really deadly for other teams to have to guard guys spread out across the whole floor and then have guys cut into the hoop at times like Harden and Durant and Joe Harris, you know, Harden throwing lobs to, um, DeAndre Jordan, I think, is going to be a huge thing for this team. And I just think Kyrie, if he can come down and and if he can if he could play point guard in the sense of, like, he gets 15 points, you know, 12 assists, something like that, I think that'll be 
the recipe for what this team really needs because Harden scoring and KD scoring mm-hmm. is next is next level type scoring. So I think those two guys really need to score a bunch of points and let Kyrie take that little step back and be a point guard, man. Just, you know, wheel and deal, dish the ball, get yours when needed. But I think he's the guy that's the big key to bringing this all together if he plays the right way. But I agree, right? I think KD is mm-hmm. – he's always been the main piece, even in Golden State, man. Right. As good as those guys were that surrounded him there and, and OKC, KD was the main man. He's the most dangerous weapon out there. Right. And if I if I just want to uh, touch one last thing on it, I think that uh, definitely what we're seeing is they need to figure out the balance between Kyrie and Harden, and I think that they will do that. So in terms of the playoffs, if we're, if we're thinking ahead, um, the reason KD sits these games and Kyrie sits these games and stuff like that is to prepare because it, it, has, it has shown that you know, load management does help coming down to the playoffs, being the fresher team, having the fresher legs in a longer season like this. It has shown that, you know, there's been certain advantages to it analytically. Um, oh, yeah. So in terms of the Eastern Conference, if I'm the Nets and, and I'm figuring that out, I really don't care what seed I have, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I'm coming into the playoffs and I'm thinking, all right, we have anywhere between the two, three, four, five, six seed, somewhere in there, I don't think they get any lower than that. Um, they're, they're feeling pretty comfortable with whatever matchup they have. They're going to have to beat everybody anyway. So I think that they're focused on, you know, make sure their guys are healthy, figuring out who can work with who. Like, I think tonight was like a good test night for them, uh, figuring out what it's like to have Kyrie and Harden run the squad, uh, figuring out the other nights when it was Durant and Harden or – before they got Harden, Durant, and Kyrie. I think these are things they need to figure out before they get to the playoffs, which is a long season. We keep saying that. But once they get there, I'm not too worried if I'm them or if I'm a Nets fan about how it's going to play out. I think in the long run, we keep talking about these seven-game series. You know, it playoffs are a seven-game series. I think that they have too many weapons to figure out in a seven-game series. And once they get it clicking, I'm not – if I'm them, I'm not worried. So – no, I agree, man. I totally agree. And let me just, you know, bring this point again. See, tonight, so Irving played 31 minutes. Harden played 37 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Irving was 14 for 24, mm-hmm. and he had 38 points, five assists, um, five assists and one rebound, 38 um, points. And Harden had, uh, in 37 minutes, went six for 14, mm-hmm. shot significantly less shots than Kyrie did and had 19 points and 11 assists. See, I think those I think those roles got to reverse there. I think Irving's got to take the less shots and step up the assists and let Harden get those Harden points. And obviously when Durant gets back, Irving is going to that's obviously going to take a hit too. Yeah. That 38 will drop to like 19 and and KD will have the 38. So maybe even harder than K and, and Irving trying to figure out that match in between there to try to do the same, you know, play the same role and KD supplementing it. But running out of time for the second. Um, How much time we got left? We got less than a minute. Ah. So save. Can you say it in ten seconds? No, no, no. We can't. All right, all right. Well, we'll, we'll stay. We'll save it for another episode. Respect the chat. Episode one hundred eight. We're out. Peace.
Peace.